this has got to be the biggest Zoom meeting I've ever been on in my whole life. <laughs> and I'll be honest, this is way more intimidating than LBCC because we've probably got like four screens to look at and there's just an incredible amount of you. So it's, um, it's very cool to be here. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to do it over Zoom and um, I have very little experience doing sermons over Zoom. So for those of you that can't, if you can't hear me or something like that, just send me a message or do like a funny dance and hopefully I'll see it among the numerous screens. Yeah, so happy Easter, everyone. I hope everyone has got some nice chocolate and um, had a interesting weekend, I guess. Um, I attempted to do the silence yesterday after speaking to Alicia and I probably lasted six hours. And I'd say, yeah, I'd say the first kind of um, couple of hours were fine. And then Matt and I tried to, Matt's my husband, we tried to do a yoga video, which went a bit longer than he thought it should. And so he exclaimed halfway through our silence that this yoga was horrible and this lady shouldn't be doing this to him. And, <laughs> and, um, and, and I shushed him and he was like, oh no, I shouldn't have said that. But that was, a, it was a good minute there. And then I think I was having the, the usual pre-sermon, why did I agree to do this kind of feels. And so by nine o'clock, I was like, <laughs> I was like, Matt, I'm, I don't care. And he's like, Shh. and I was like, I don't care. I actually <laughs> do not care about this stupid silence. Like, I've been silent <laughs> enough. Like, so it was, um, I was quite relieved actually to go to bed because it, mm. it was way harder than I thought it was. Um, so good job, those of you who managed to do it a lot longer than I did. Um, yeah, so Easter Sunday. It's bizarre that this is the most pivotal moment in our liturgical calendar um, and a moment in history that changed the trajectory of our world and our life for eternity. Um, whilst at the same time, our world is probably going through its own kind of crisis of everything that's going on and, um, and all the ways that I guess we are hearing this bad news constantly and constantly through this time um so it's quite it's been quite a strange week for me mm -hmm. um and i really wanted to i guess make sure i acknowledge that in the sermon i'm doing today uh so i'm going to be speaking you speaking to you about three things specifically um that i think easter sunday tells us um firstly easter sunday is a reminder that we can have a relationship with jesus christ through victory, through the victory of his death on the cross and his resurrection. Secondly, Easter Sunday is a time that we remember that God can use all of us, no matter how broken or overlooked we feel. Mm. And lastly, Easter Sunday is the picture of the good news that God is with us through all things, that God can and will bring life through the days that seem most hopeless and most despairing. Um, so the verse I'm going to be reading for you today is Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. I'll just get it up on my computer. I forgot that we didn't have slides. So I actually had this as like, here we go. So Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. Jesus has risen. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
His, appear his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Uh, so I was reading this passage earlier this week and, um, and had kind of a, a moment where I realized that the words that I'm reading in my Bible, the words that I'm meant to, uh, the, it's so easy, I think, to read the Bible and just imagine it to be just a story. And I had a moment where I felt like I was reading the Bible and I realized I wasn't just reading another story, but actually I was reading a historical event. And I think reading this passage, I was quite astounded at how ridiculous it is. <laughs> um, it is confusing. Uh, it's completely all over the place with what's going on and who knows what is even meant to be happening. Um, and to be honest, it does seem quite unbelievable. And I, I feel, I think I feel quite even guilty even admitting that um, because somewhere it feels like it's sinful or it's unchristian to have these thoughts. But when I read the passage, my brain struggles to imagine these words in the Bible actually happening outside in real life um and you know we've got an angel a casual angel just flying down from heaven and hanging out on a rock we've got a man that said he was god dying and then resurrecting you've got earthquakes happening people shaking like it it's the idea of seeing that in real life feels so unbelievable it's difficult to imagine and i can't actually even imagine anything like this even happening in my life and so before I start the sermon, I did want to say that this is such a normal response to the text. And I actually think that reading this passage and feeling doubt and fear is not only a normal response to this text, it's actually exactly what Jesus's disciples were feeling in the moment that they realized Jesus had risen. So point number one, through Jesus's death on the cross, we can have a relationship with him. The passage begins with Mary Magdalene and the other Mary going to the tomb on the first day of the week. Now for them, they've most likely had the worst few days of their lives. The person they love the most in the world, the person that they've sacrificed their life for, the person they've given up families and homes for, the person that promised them finally freedom from pain and suffering has been killed. Jesus had told them he was the Messiah. Jesus had told them that he was the son of God and now he was dead. As Mary Magdalene and Mary approached the tomb, they would have been experiencing overwhelming fear that everything they believed had been for nothing, that maybe Jesus wasn't who he said he was and perhaps Jesus was just another man after all. And we read later on in the other gospels that the other disciples have the same experience when faced with Jesus's resurrection. 
In Mark 16, we read, when they heard that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they did not believe it. Later on in the chapter, we read, they returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. In Luke, it is written, their words seemed like nonsense. Two of the disciples thought Jesus was a stranger on the road. In John, we read that Mary thought Jesus was a gardener. The concept of creator God. Carry on, please. It's okay. Uh, the concept of creator God coming down to earth and dying and being resurrected is difficult to believe. It's difficult for the disciples to believe and it's difficult for us to believe today. And so God says the same words to us as the angel says to the two Marys in this passage. Do not be afraid. Blueprint, do not be afraid. This week, I've just, I don't know if it's the fact that we've been doing like isolation for two weeks or maybe the, the fun of it is wearing off, but this week has just been so hard for me. And um, I think with the constant bad news that we're hearing around the world and the difficult things that are going on, I've been feeling so scared that I have put my faith and my life in something that isn't true and that maybe I'm just alone in the world, just as what the Marys would have been feeling when Jesus died. But our God does not yell at us when we have these thoughts. He doesn't cast us away. He doesn't tell us, just believe. God says the same words to us that he said to Thomas. Come, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Later on in the passage, we read that when Jesus sees the Marys on the road, they come to him, they hold him, and they clasp his feet. Now, in the Old Testament, touching God or even coming close to him was impossible. Even Moses was told that he couldn't look at the face of God without dying. And after seeing just the back of God, Moses' face shines just like the angel in this scripture, whose appearance was like lightning. And when Moses returns from the mountain, the people of Israel were terrified of him also. The idea of seeing God was a scary thought. This verse shows us and the Marys in this moment that Jesus' words were true. The God of Moses did enter the world and he came as Jesus. Finally, they had a God that they could know Finally, they had a God that could touch them. And through his sacrifice on the cross, we too can finally have a real relationship with God. We can now come near to the God who created us. And despite the fear and pain that we may feel at this time, we do not need to be afraid. And in case Jesus' resurrection wasn't enough, the passage is full of symbols and clues to remind us that Jesus was God. We read in the text that an earthquake happens just like the earthquake when Jesus died, and just like the previous earthquakes that symbolized God's presence, his revelation and his judgment. A casual angel of the Lord comes down from heaven and rolls the rock away. Jesus doesn't break out of the tomb. He is let out by God, showing us that judgment has been, judgment has been finished. From these acts, the Marys would have known that Jesus was who he said he was that he has carried the ultimate judgment, and now they can be in complete relationship with him. 
So I wanna encourage you guys today, when we read these passages, when they look scary and confusing, and when the world looks scary and confusing, remember that Jesus' death means we can have a full relationship with him. Jesus didn't die to give us his teaching. He didn't die to give us prayers. He didn't die to give us scripture. Jesus died to give us himself. That is the foundation of what we stand on today, on Easter Sunday, that our doubts and fears are okay. We need not hide them from God. Instead, we can come to God, just as I've been doing every single day this week. And we can cry out to him. We can tell him our fears. We can draw near to our king until our hearts are soothed. So point number two. Jesus chooses the most unlikely. Jesus chooses us. Someone told me once that you write the sermon you need to hear, mm. which was quite annoying and very true at the same time. <laughs> it might have been it might have been Scotty, let's say. Let's just blame Scotty for that. Classic. But, um, man, and I've just been fighting with this idea all week that God chooses the most unlikely to deliver his message. And I've been doing a bit of reading by uh, N.T. Wright, and he's written this really great book called uh, The Resurrection of the Son of God. Uh, and in this book, he says that the most interesting thing about this passage in Matthew is that, uh, is that it's, it contains two women, Mary Magdalene and Mary. Yeah, women. Um, that, that it is two women walking towards the tomb. And so the passage goes on and an angel appears to the Marys. And then finally, Jesus appears to the Marys. Now, for those of you that didn't know, it was actually quite controversial that the initial witnesses of Jesus' resurrection are women. Now, during the time of Jesus, women had a really low status in society. So much so that even the testimony of a woman was inadmissible in court because they were believed to be so fallible. Women were the outsiders, Women were the people on the margins that were disempowered and unbelieved. And Jesus chose them to know of his resurrection first. In fact, he tells the women to go tell the men. The women are apostles sent to the apostles to share the good news. And uh, N.T. Wright actually uses this verse as proof of Jesus's resurrection. He believes that this verse means that the resurrection has to be real that no one making up a legend about Jesus would ever have women in the story unless it actually happened. He says, women in that day and time had, low, had a low status. Therefore, if you're making up a story, you're make, if you're making up a legend about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you would never put women in there as the first eyewitnesses. It would undermine the plausibility of the account with any of the hearers or readers of the time and therefore, the only reason this would be possible would be if women were the first eyewitnesses. There is no other motivation he would have put them in there. Jesus chose the news of his resurrection, the turning point in our whole world, in our Christian faith, and in the whole of humanity to go to those most overlooked in our society. And he does it still today. But do we listen? Do we create space in our lives for those with the lowest status? Do they have an opportunity to speak revelation into our lives? It's also good news for those of us that feel unworthy and overlooked. 
for those who feel that we don't matter. Those of us that believe we have no worth, that we have nothing to give God. The good news of the resurrection story is that God uses all of us and no one is overlooked. Even those of us that feel we've let God down, those of us that feel we've forsaken God. We read in the text that Jesus tells the Marys, go and tell my brothers. These are the people that just abandoned him. God still says, come. No one is disqualified in the kingdom of God. Now, I think um, some of you may know a bit about my history, but I thought I'd give you a, a tiny story within it. Um, so when I was uh, a quite a young teenager, I had some really big mental health issues. And by the time I was about 18, it kind of all kicked off and my mental health um, got pretty bad. Uh, and at the age of 23, I was first admitted to uh, the psychiatric hospital in Wellington. Uh, and by 25, I think I was on my third admission. Um, and I went outside for a cigarette, which was not a great idea at the time, but when you've got limited options in isolation, you do crazy stuff. So just remember that. Um, and I was, I'd just been in an awful, awful meeting with my mental health team where I was very outnumbered um, and where basically I spent the whole time listening to a lot of people telling me about how disordered I was and how I needed to reassess my goals in life. And I went outside and I remember leaning against the concrete, concrete wall in Ward 27 um, and I was feeling so broken and so overlooked. Um, and I remember saying to God, just let me die. Like I'd heard the words that people had said to me and I just believed it entirely. Let me die, God. Like I have nothing I can offer you. I can't even keep myself alive. Just let me die. And God spoke to me the strongest I think I've ever had him speak to me. And he said to me, Susie, I'm still amazed. Susie, it is not what you can offer me, but what I can offer you. And now freaking miracle mate somehow like seven seven years seven years later it's not even 50 years later it's like seven years later like seven years later i now work for the wellington city dhb um, and i go into these fancy as meetings and i speak hope to the people running these units and i tell them you need a you cannot overlook people you cannot tell people that they have no strengths Get it, Susie. I speak recovery. I speak to the people that are overlooking people. I tell them, don't treat people as only being disordered. Now, the good news of the resurrection is so present in my life. There is absolutely no way I would be in these meetings if it was not for God. And I'm sure that for every single one of us, we can look back at our lives seven years ago and be amazed to see how God has grown each and every one of us. And finally, the good news of the resurrection of Easter Sunday is that in our darkest moments, Jesus is with us. Now, the final verse in Matthew 28 is, and surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. We are at a point in our lives at the moment where everything feels uncertain and difficult. I have so many friends that are struggling severely with their mental health at the moment. And I would say I've been having a really hard week this week. Our world is in deep crisis with this COVID-19 virus. 
Families are losing parents and siblings and children. People are losing jobs, businesses and incomes. Our whole country and many countries around the world are in isolation. So what is the good news for our world today? What do we have to offer the world during this time? Hope. We can give this world deep hope and faith for we know that Jesus has come. Jesus is with us. And because of this, good will come from our pain. Now, this good may not happen today. It may not happen in a year. And in some cases, it may not even happen in our lifetime. But the promise of the cross, the victory and the redemption of Jesus tells us it will come. For the disciples, they didn't know how Jesus' death would end. I'm sure even for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and even on the cross, he had doubts about how anything good could come from such pain. I did the, um, the Stations of the Cross exercise with the Brooklyn community on Friday night and was just so profoundly surprised by um, Jesus's response to the governors and to Pilate on his way to the cross. And when they asked him, are you the son of God? He'd kind of answer in these really vague ways, such as, well, if you say I am, or he'd just kind of give no answer at all. Now, I like to think that Jesus was being intentionally vague to fulfill some scripture. Maybe it's in there in the Old Testament, but I actually think maybe his answers are just very, very human. Maybe he was worried that he would make the situation worse. Maybe he kept thinking, if I don't say anything, God can still turn this around. I wonder if he kept thinking that right up until the moment that he cried out to God, why have you forsaken me? This is the strange paradox of our faith, that the cross represents our deepest pain and our deepest redemption at exactly the same time. The cross is a symbol of every time we have cried out to God and he has not stopped what has come. It is a picture of our despair, of feeling forsaken and deeply wounded. Jesus knows what it is to feel these things. Jesus has walked this path of unknowing and of agony. The cross is a symbol of his humanity. God knows what it is to suffer. Mm. However, if the cross is a symbol of our despair, then today, Easter Sunday, is a picture of hope. The resurrection, the greatest act in the universe, the moment when all, seemed, all hope seemed lost, Jesus was healing the greatest wound between us and our creator. So we too can hold this certainty and this faith during this time, even if we don't see it yet. I was reading a, um, a commentary on Matthew and it mentioned this really interesting point that I'd never thought about before, which is that the strangest thing about this chapter is that we do not see Jesus rising, we see him risen. No one knows what actually happened in that tomb or how Jesus resurrected. It seems like the most pivotal part of the whole story. And yet God doesn't actually tell us how it happened. We want to know how God works. The disciples thought they knew how it all worked. And yet when they arrived at the tomb, Jesus wasn't where they expected him to be. God works in the same way in our life. Often God is not where we expect him to be. Sometimes we don't know how it all works. I don't know if in my lifetime I will ever know why bad things have happened to me, 
but I do know that God has profoundly used them to bring about redemption in my life. I don't think we will ever know how God works, but we know that he does. The cross is a symbol of that. And for those of us that can't yet see how God is working in our lives, I would encourage you to take a look outside. The sun still shines, the birds are still singing, the waves are still rolling on the beach. God is not in lockdown. A profound love and creator is at work in our world, holding these things together and us in his hands. Jesus, the world and us have resurrected through him. May we remember these things during this time. During this crisis, may we remember that we are heading towards life, not heading towards death. As Martin Luther once said, our Lord has written the promise of resurrection, not in books alone, but in every leaf of springtime. So just to recap, the message of Easter Sunday, Sunday is that victory has been won by Jesus' death on the cross. And through his resurrection, we can have life and relationship with him in times of doubt and fear. We remember that we do not need to be afraid and that we can come to Jesus with all of these feelings. For those of us that feel unworthy, for those of us that feel overlooked, the good news of Easter is that God doesn't overlook us. Just as Jesus used women to deliver his message of resurrection, God also sees us and uses us to share his good news. Let us take stock of the people we have in our lives and consider ways we can continue to include those most overlooked in our society and in our churches. And finally, the good news of Easter Sunday is that Jesus is with us. Through all things, God can and will bring life. Even though we may not see it yet, God is at work for good in this world. We are, head we are heading towards life. We are not heading towards death. As it says in Romans 8, 31 to 32, with a slight just inclusion for you guys. What then shall we say in response to COVID-19? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave, up for, gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Mm.